Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Liu. Joining me this week is uh, the go-to option for this podcast, the number one option, like Pascal Siakam, Alex Wong. Alex, how are you doing? What's going on, man? So, you know, every time you invite me on for mm. a, a basically a run it back episode, except mm. I, I'm doing it for free. Um, I have to ask, like, who canceled? You know, was Vivek uh, busy today uh, interviewing a tennis player or is Blake doing a Jamal Murray profile? What's going on? Tell me the real story, bro. No, 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 no. Listen, the, the real story is uh, I picked you. All right. You know, I, I like, listen, I'm not too big for this. Remember, uh, you, you stole my idol in this game. So, um yeah, man, listen, it doesn't have to be anything. I mean, yes, I did, I did see that V was doing another podcast this week. So I didn't want to, uh, you know, I didn't want to burden him. And uh, I'm seeing Blake tomorrow. So I didn't want to double up on seeing Blake two days in a row. So, you know what? It's, uh, we got you, baby. Um, no, I'm, I'm always excited to to chat with you and create content with you, bro. Yeah, no, it's good. I give you a little bit of a break from, uh, I don't know, whatever you're doing these days, man. What are you doing these days? So since the season is over, um, what are you occupying your time with? Yeah, um, so I'm working on a book right now. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really uh, been kind of taking up most of my time. Um, the, the manuscript. So the book is about basketball related magazines and like the evolution of sports publications. So I've been doing a lot of research and interviews for that. Um, the book is not due until uh, next April. So I've got the next... I guess half year, um, you know, six months, seven months to work on it. So, um, yeah, that's the majority of my focus. Or sometimes I'm on the Yahoo Sports Canada social account during Blue Jays games, uh, just taking my uncut gem uh, memes uh, from basketball to baseball and finding that some of them translate well and some don't. It's definitely a different audience. Baseball is really hard to do social media for because it's so slow. Mm. Yeah, it's slow, and uh, also I've tuned into maybe five Jays games since uh, the Raptors were eliminated, and it felt like they were playing the Yankees every single time. Didn't fully understand why we're always playing the Yankees. I feel like there's a 60-game season. How many times could you possibly play the Yankees? <laughs> like, so, like, 20 games against the Yankees, 20 games against the Rays, 20 games against, like, the Red Sox, and then we're going to the playoffs? Like, what's going on? Yeah, that's actually pretty much uh, the schedule. Like this year, mm-hmm. every division, every team just played within their own division. And then they played the East division in the NL. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not that we need to get, you know, that deep into baseball. But baseball is a great, uh, great sport to watch when you're like multitasking. Oh, 100%. Um, like I can get so much done and, and still be watching the game and reacting to the game. That's why they cut the games down to like 30 minutes after, right? I know they yeah. do that for Raptors too, but the Jays in 30 mm-hmm. is basically what you need to watch. Uh, shout outs to us offending every traditional baseball fan. No, listen, I, listen. I, there's no I, crossover. There's no, I feel like there's no diehard Jays fan listening to you right now. No, there really isn't. Um, I might be the only one who watched Jesse Lynch and was a fan of uh, the 2008 Blue Jays with uh, AJ. <laughs> Yo, Burnett. we've established this. You went to one baseball game and you've been making references off that. 
for like the last five no, years. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a baseball fan. I'm a baseball fan. Uh, before last time we were on the Blue Jays, before we get on to Raptors stuff. Uh, well, actually, too. A, are they good? Are they actually good? Um, and B, who is your favorite Blue Jay right now? So they're not good. Um, you know, the only reason they're going to make the playoffs is because they expanded the playoffs to eight teams. Mm. And in general, like they're a 500 team. Mm-hmm. And they've won a lot of close games. Uh, I think in any other year, you know, they're not in this race at all. But I think it's cool. You know, they get to play a three-game series next week uh, against the number one seed. And honestly, yo, three games, the sample size, like anything mm-hmm. can happen, right? Anything like, can know, happen. Are they going to play the Yankees again? Like, uh, I think they're going to play Tampa, actually. But, you okay, know, your right. boy Ryu, if he throws a no-hitter mm-hmm. in game one, like yeah. uh, then suddenly Tampa is uh, facing elimination because it's a best two out of three. No, I, um, I, lo- I love this Jay season because I looked up the numbers and it seems like they have 26 relievers. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the reason they have 26 relievers is because they only have one great starter in, in Ryu. Well, one that, ace, that, but also because of COVID. I think because of COVID, they were just like, all right, you can bring 80 people. Yeah, but um, like, where were they the getting these people? Like, this is like if the Raptors had the whole 905 squad with them, like at all times. Like, all right, Hen- Henry Ellenson, you got to go into this playoff game now. Uh, the the uh, the other question I'm trying to find my Matt Thomas for this Blue Jays team. Mm-hmm. I think right now it might be Alejandro Kirk, who's the rookie catcher who came up, yes, and has been playing uh, really well. So uh, he's like shaped yeah. like Kirby. Yeah, the half the Jays team is shaped like Kirby. You, you so. know, <laughs> my favorite thing about baseball is that uh, it's a sport you could play with masks on. <laughs> well, That's how low one, intensity that, it is, and, and also you can be eating a KFC like mighty uh-huh. bucket. Yeah. in between innings, and you can go out and hit a home run. No, absolutely. Alejandro Kirk is definitely eating buckets, man. <laughs> this man's on the $10 money buckets in Buffalo, New York. Um, yeah, uh, you, you know, the Jays are, I mean, you know. What's going on, man? Are you trying to audition to, to show Dan Toman that we can do a Jays bot? Listen, uh, <laughs> we're sending Dan this uh, five-minute reel right here. All right, I'm, I'm ready to switch to becoming Mike Wilner. All right. Um, yeah, I'll be shy to Vidi. Yeah. There you go. All right. Um, no, we are we are still a basketball podcast, and you know, honestly, it, it, for me, it, it's actually just been kind of strange because it's been harder to, I, it's been harder to be as invested in the Raptors, obviously since they left the playoffs. But it's just like not as interesting. I don't know. I feel a little bit less motivated, quite honestly, um, because a lot of the topics I have here are a little bit less fun than what they were throughout the whole year. Like it was such a fun season. And then the questions I'm about to ask you are like, uh, is Pascal Siakam miscast as the number one option? Uh, which Raptors are going to leave? Um, and then it's kind of it's kind of sad. Yeah. It's kind of sad because I think we have to accept that this team is going to look a little different at least next mm-hmm. season, right? Yeah, and I'm going to steal Blake Murphy of the Athletics um, <laughs> stealing Blake's column where he uh, asked writers including myself so you know i I feel like a a piece of this one eighth of the story is mine um uh, but just a percentage chance of everyone coming back and uh we can go to that but let's actually talk about this first so i'm writing a piece about this Uh, it has not come out yet but it will soon um and i'm kind of trying to ask myself the question is pascal siakam miscast as the number one option right because i think it's fair to ask that right you see um well we saw what happened in the celtics series obviously the celtics are a really good defensive club but still, Pascal averaged less than 15 points per game, shot under 40%. And it's not even necessarily about the numbers. It's really just like seeing him struggle. Like it was a real, real struggle for him to get a basket. And so 
I thought it was fair to ask sort of if he is miscast's number one option because, A, it's not a given that he is a number one option, right? This was the first year he did it. And I guess I, I want to ask you, like, are, with Siakam struggling, is that, is that a product of sort of him being caught in the middle of his development and he's on his way to something better? Uh, or is it more of a reflection of he doesn't necessarily have the skill set to sort of play the specific role? Yeah, I think it's a it's a combina- combination of both. Uh, this is why you bring me on for these type mm-hmm. of uh, cop out answers. Um, but you know, I think I think there was like a bunch of things that went into this, right? And you can't ignore the fact that the season got interrupted, mm-hmm. and you know, he obviously talked about he didn't work out or play basketball uh, for a few months, um, and then obviously the the other factor was you mentioned like Boston probably was the team best equipped uh, to defend him uh, with, with the guys that they had. And they were really good defense. But then you look at the way that he played on offense as the series went on, you know, he struggled in the bubble uh, on the offensive end kind of throughout, but in that Boston series, like, especially I think in game six, you started to see that it was getting to him uh, maybe from a mental standpoint, right? Like mm-hmm. he was really in his head and, you know, he just like didn't want the ball on offense. So I do think it's a combination of both, but I've been thinking about this a lot and it's like, do we have enough to ask or even answer that question right now? Because he just went through two really different playoff runs mm-hmm. in two very different scenarios and two different roles, right? Like, I don't think the Pascal Siakam who torched the Warriors in like game one and game six, like is suddenly gone. And I don't think the Pascal Siakam who flashed all that skill and potential during the regular season is suddenly gone. Like that's not to say that he doesn't need to add, you know, more versatility um, to his offensive game. Um, so it's hard for me. Like, I, I do want to see what he looks like next season. And again, next season might be tough too, because we don't know, number one, when the season is starting. And they're not going to have a regular off-season schedule where he's just going to be able to go and work out with the other guys and go work out with Rico Hines, right? Or at least I don't think he will. Um, I, mean, I don't see why you couldn't, though. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, Trey Young was showing up in, like, full gyms in the yeah. middle of COVID in Oklahoma City, so. Well, don't worry. He knew he wasn't going to the bubble, man. <laughs> So I think I think I know I know this is kind of a boring answer, but I kind of want to give Pascal next season mm-hmm. to see oh. how he plays, like because he's still developing, like you mentioned. And I'm okay if the answer ends up being that he isn't mm-hmm. the number one option. I mean, that could very well be the case. You're asking this guy to be the number one option on a championship team, and I know you were a big proponent all year of managing expectations with Pascal because I feel mm-hmm. like he came out of the gate playing so well right away that people started putting these outsized expectations for him. And it's not making excuses. Like he had a terrible offensive series uh, Mm -hmm. against the Celtics. And if that happens again next season and you don't see the development, then maybe yes, he is miscast and he does need to play alongside an elite guy like a Kawhi Leonard or uh, Giannis. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that's completely fair. First off, like how many, if we're talking about championship number one options, like how many players in the NBA can do that? Like you see, um Giannis hasn't really proven that yet right James Harden hasn't really proven that yet uh there's a lot of really talented players I mean honestly for me you're looking at LeBron Kawhi Steph KD like that's like pretty much it I mean of course those are the guys that have won the championship I'm sure there will be more that will be added to that list but you know it's it's very tough being a number one option first off for a championship team um and then number two like yeah, I, I just think the expectation of that to happen overnight was was a little high. Um, I, I think really we're at the point now after one season in of Pascal being a number one option. Um, 
you can kind of break it down into like sort of things that he can do right and what he can't do and i think really for the raptors like one of the things they need to decide is sort of which direction do they want pascal to go towards right um you know if we look at sort of uh, styles of play like which kinds of players to emulate i'm not saying they want to become these kind of players but they kind of have a decision to make between are they going to keep him as sort of more of a big right more of the anthony davis kind of maybe even Giannis, right Giannis handles the ball a little bit more than ad but bigs that essentially are able to use their athleticism attack the paint and you know kind of be i don't know be a big right be a versatile big for sure who play inside and out but a big or do they want it to be sort of a more of a wing type player where it's more of a Kawhi type game more of a lebron type game more of like a butler type game or something like that or tatum for example those are the you know main um guys still left and you know that's that's a question because i, I think last season in the championship run he played way more as a big and this year he played more as, as a, as a wing. Right. And um, I don't know. What did you see in terms of just like in, in terms of small forward skills from Pascal that you saw this year? Like, did you see enough of that from him this year? And, and I mean, I, I guess obviously the answer in the playoffs is kind of no, but do you see enough promise of sort of, you know, ball handling, shooting, creating from Pascal this year that he should continue going down this path? Yeah, I do. But the thing I think the thing you bring up too is the problem in, in that his offensive game kind of makes him people used to call him like to call these players kind of tweeners, right? Mm-hmm. Like like I know we've gone more obviously positionless and like guys play more versatile roles, but when you're trying to cast him as a number one option, you kind of he needs to figure out and the team needs to figure out what they want him to be right because because mm-hmm. i think this year it was more okay go out there you know shoot threes you know we're gonna give you the ball you can work in the low post you can just basically do whatever you want like we want you to kind of figure out uh what you're gonna be but i think moving forward especially starting next season they need to just figure out like you need to hone in on what you're really good at mm-hmm. like are you going to be a great kind of low post player and come up with all these different counters and new moves or are you going to operate more on the perimeter like i feel like during the regular season especially you know when you had pascal kind of top of the key and he was kind of going downhill um against defenders like he was really effective right and like mm-hmm. what are you going to add to your game like if you are drawing more attention as uh, a number one option like when's the playmaking going to come in right because mm-hmm. We talked a lot about that with Kawhi too. Like his playmaking, I think made maybe a bit of a leap here in Toronto, um, you know, versus prior years. And, you know, you can't just think about scoring 25 points a game. I think there's a lot of ways Pascal can get to 25 points a game. Um, But like, how are you helping the team overall? And if you're drawing that attention and maybe that's the one thing that would worry me because Boston just played him straight up, right? Like he Mm -hmm. didn't even play well enough to to demand any additional attention. And that, trickle down effect you know it trickled down to everything else like that's why the offense looked the way it did against mm-hmm. boston yeah and, and look it's not like the raptors had an elite offense even kind of when pascal was outside of that bubble environment i mean the raptors uh, middle of the pack in offense now they had injuries throughout the course of the season but um i think that does speak a little bit to the fact that their primary guy wasn't um you know a, a clear-cut elite type of number one guy and um, and I think I think the point that you made about sort of letting Siakam have that freedom offensively is a very, very good one because he if you just break down the way he scored, it's like a this guy was like a Mandarin buffet plate, man. This you weren't <laughs> all right. Rest, yo, was rest, that, was rest, that, rest that, was buffets, that by the way. Yo, was that drafted or did was that off the dome? Just let no, me know. No, that's the new sponsor. No, I'm kidding. Uh <laughs> no, although listen, Mandarin, call me. Um no, he's so Siakam averaged 23 points per game this year, right? He gets six of those in transition, 
three of those in isolation, three through the pick and roll, three through the post, three in catch and shoot plays, and then just another five off like putbacks and cuts and stuff like that. So we're talking about a very like varied type of player. He's doing a little bit of everything. And when he can do a little bit of everything, um, he is really effective. And I think versatility is a skill. But, uh, and I think for our, the best bigs in the NBA, they need to do a little bit of everything. And I think Siakam kind of has that attribute. But at the same time, there is not like one go-to play for Siakam to always get something in the offense, right? I mean, the closest thing to that is probably the post. And, you know, he he is a good post player, definitely. He's He's crafty down there. He has moves. But at the same time, I think what we did see this year was a, a, a drop-off in terms of his efficiency in the post, right? He went from being one of the most efficient players in the post in the NBA to sort of average. And if you look at sort of his shooting within five feet of the rim, he shot 70.6% uh, in the championship season, and it was down to 57.8% uh, this year. That's still a good number, and he's still getting about 11 points in, uh, per game in the paint, but he kind of needs to have some improvements there. And I feel like, you know, I, I've, I've sort of resisted the idea of Siakam needs to get a little bit stronger um, in the past. So I feel like that might sacrifice some of his quickness. But at the same time, if you're going to play that much in the post, you kind of need to get a little bit stronger because there were a lot of times in the playoffs where he was kind of bumped off his spot. You know, he's not really going up strong. He's not really going up through the contact. He's trying to shy away from the contact. A spin move is literally to get away from contact. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why um, his efficiency drops in the post. Like, what do you think he needs to, if, he, if he's going to go down that post player route, what is the sort of adjustment there that he needs to make to be better in the post? Because we know he has skills, yeah. but it's really just at this point being more effective. Yeah. You know, I think the bulking up is actually pretty interesting uh, when you think about it. Cause, cause sometimes those free throws don't come to him, right? Like, like you mm-hmm. see the way DeMar used to get like what to the line, like nine times a game. Yeah. And that's how you kind of overcome some of those bad shooting nights. Um, do you think do you think playing him at the five, like maybe more, is an option? Because I'm just thinking, obviously, you know, I'm sure we might touch on, you know, Serge and Mark and where that center position is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And we saw the small lineup at times. Like maybe that's a way that they can define his role more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel like, and like it's been like this for a few years now. I mean, outside of like a Nikola Jokic or a Joel Embiid, it's not like he's going to have to bang against centers in the low post, right? Like, do you think putting him in that position maybe helps, you know, kind of just define his role and lock him a bit offensively in terms of, okay, this is going to be your role? I mean, I think it, I mean, look, that's the thing, right? Because Siakam is sort of interchangeable, like a tweener, like you mentioned, you can move him around too much, uh, a lot. And and I, it's one of my fears is sort of like, I think sooner or later, you kind of figure out, you take this year to sort of figure out what he did. And then you can decide on which path he goes down in the future, but you don't want to shift it around too much because he's already kind of went from, you know, a traditional four to then uh, more of a three this year. And then if we shift him more towards a five, that stuff, I think the difference between him playing five offensively or him playing three offensively is just sort of like, which advantage do you want to create? Right. And, and, you know, if he's gone up against a five, I think you could probably use your perimeter skills a little bit more. You could use the, 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 the jump shot a little bit more. The quickness, you know, taking the bigs out to the perimeter and then driving past them. Uh, whereas with the three, if he plays three, then he's a little bit more effective in the post because he has more of a height mismatch. He has more of a strength mismatch. Maybe he draws a double. So I don't even know if that necessarily matters. I mean, I, I think for the most part, I think Nick Nurse likes having centers for defense. Um, and so that's probably why he's not going to. And then I think, honestly, OG showed enough. and He's 
a little bit stronger than, than Pascal is. Um, I think both of them can play center and they both have played small ball center, but kind of prefer OG in that small ball center role a little bit more than Pascal. Yeah, because so. I feel like Pascal at the five too, because then you don't have another center out there. And, you know, he's out there with four other kind of perimeter guys. Yeah. And that might change things. My other thing with him is like, I felt like he like fell in love with the three point shot, you know, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, a bit too much. He takes like, like out saw... of rhythm. That's, that's just yeah, weird that, thing. That, Cause it's yeah, not like, that's the thing. Cause like you could like a lot of players take about five threes per game now, especially number one options. But you see games he, where he would take like 10 though. There was that game where he took like 13 in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like the three point game can be part of your game, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you know, he shot it pretty decent in the regular season, but I feel like sometimes it really takes away from completely like what other things that he does. Like he just falls too in love with it. And like, I loved his mid range game too. Like during the regular season, we saw some of those like Dirk Nowitzki esque like mid range shots. Like, I feel like that is something that he should continue to try to add, like make that like a part of his game, kind of the mid range and the low post. And I feel like he is going to figure out, like more counters like in the mm-hmm. low post than just, you know, whatever he was doing uh, against Boston. Like that's yeah. just, I feel like that's just reps, right? Like yeah. like you look at DeMar and other players just like adding one extra move or adding little things to his game. I feel like that's what you need from Pascal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And um, I, I mean, the, the jumper is, the, I mean, the thing with jumper is, it, it, again, you have to just decide which which thing you're going to prioritize in terms of development, right? Because you're trying to develop everything. You might end up with sort of just like a, a you have a, a lot of skills, but not necessarily elite in any of them, which is kind of where Pascal is right now. I think the, the jumper is interesting because it, I think the jumper would really help his face-up game, um, both in the mid-range and also if he wants to isolate. You know, he did, he was isolating a lot this year, a lot more than last year. Um, you know, he was one of 14 players this season to use at least 200 possessions in isolation, according to NBA stats. But out of those 14 players, Siakam was 12th in field goal percentage and was only ahead of Spencer Dinwiddie and Julius Randle. So that's not great. That's not great. Now, points per possession, it looks a little bit better because he doesn't turn the ball over as much. And uh, his he draws a fair number of free throws. So he's actually he's at 0.88 points per isolation, which is close to LeBron, which is 0.9 and Giannis, which is 0.9. So it's not that bad. But I think really, if you're going to be good in isolation in sort of 2020, you need to be able to hit up uh, a pull-up three. And I think really that's where, you know, and I was looking at the numbers, like pretty much all the great ISO players are perimeter players now that can hit pull-up threes. Obviously, KD is excluded from this list because he didn't play last year. We know KD has the same skill set. But Jason Tatum, you can hit the pull-up three. He's at 1.00 points. For isolation, Luka Doncic 1.02, Kawhi 1.05, Damian Lillard 1.07, and of course James Harden is the ultimate outlier 1.12 for isolation. The commonality between all five of those guys is that they can all shoot and they all have to pull up three, and that just kind of evens out your efficiency. And I think if Siakam's going to develop the jumper, um, the pull up three is, is is going to be a big part of his game. And I think he tried to do it this year. He definitely took a lot more pull ups. Um, he hit about 34%, which isn't that great, but it's not terrible. Um, but obviously that completely went away in the playoffs. Like there was just such an erosion of his skills and his confidence in the playoffs that it's hard to fully assess that. But I kind of like that path for him, to be honest, just not necessarily I want to, he's going to turn into KD overnight, but to have that pull-up threat is pretty, I mean, it's, it's an absolutely vital skill you need nowadays. Yeah, and I think it just, again, circles back to, as we talk about drilling to these specifics, like we're asking a lot from this guy, right? Like you're literally right now comparing him 
to the guys that you just listed uh, of the handful of guys who you said Bro, can be a Asian number one parents, option on a championship team. We're no, Asian even parents, I'm, even right. I'm dialing this back. I'm like, yo, I'm not driving listen, Pascal to to no, Mandarin school listen, next man. Saturday. He needs a week off, all right? No, no, no. The next door neighbor just got into Big Master Health Sciences. All right, he's got a 99.8 average, like Matt Thomas. Uh, we're gonna need we're gonna need that from you too. All right, Pascal. No, but I think I think it depends on kind of what roster they end up putting around him too, right? Like. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like wh- who's his number, like who's going to be the guy playing alongside him long term um, and what that's going to look like. And I don't think I see a lot of people kind of I mean, I know sports fans, they overreact all the time. And maybe we defend Pascal more because we obviously follow the Raptors closely. It's not like I'm breaking down, making excuses for Paul George. You know, to me, Paul George is just a guy Fry. who hit the side of the backboard, you know, when mm-hmm. the season was on the line. Um, but, you know, again, I, I think it's just. It's not the worst thing in the world if we end up getting kind of this version of Pascal. No, not at all. Who continues to develop. And if anything, it might just be on Masai and the front office to figure out how you're going to build a team, you know, around not just Pascal or whoever you're going to bring in to just maximize the skills. Because I think we keep going back to these different things. And it's like the best thing about Pascal is his efficiency, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're sacrificing that efficiency, putting him in too big of a role, then you're not getting the best out of the guy. And we should also mention that, like, he was great. Um, you know, he wasn't perfect, but he was great on defense. And I feel like he's such a centerpiece of that going forward because mm-hmm. I feel like as long as Nick Nurse is here, that's going to be the identity of this team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but, I mean, again, part of the expectations comes from the fact that a you know, no one else is necessarily there to sort of fulfill that. So, you know, he has to take that responsibility on. And then B, he did, he was signed to a max contract and there's different expectations. You know what I mean? Um, and also see where Asian parents, I don't, I don't know what else to say. I, I thought this was, <laughs> Listen, this was obvious. I'll, I'll, Listen, we didn't need Pascal, to spend, we didn't need to, to spend Kumon, 20 minutes. <laughs> go to Kumon, basketball Kumon for a year and come back to me with this 99.5% average or no Game Boy Advance for you. Yo, this guy's like you can't be a Mandarin buffet. You got to be a fisherman's <laughs> lobster. <laughs> you need to be good. At, oh, you need to be does? elite at one thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, shout out to that place. I still have not gone. So no, we need to do that. Run it back first episode, socially distanced. Uh, I mean, though, the listen, the lobster tower is so big, we would actually be socially distanced. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, man, we didn't need to spend 20 minutes on Pascal. Um, he was in a perfect no, role playing we, you know, next to We didn't to need to spend 20 Leonard. minutes on the Blue Jays, though. <laughs> that was what we wasted yeah. time on. He was in a perfect role playing next to Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Kawhi Leonard decided to go play with Reggie Jackson. <sighs> yeah, Kawhi, bro. Come on, man. Because um, what Pascal was two years ago was perfect. He, it was. It was. But I, I do think that there is a, an ability to continue developing. No, I, I think, think that's fair. I think that's you know, fair. And I, I really the last thing I would say for Pascal is just next season, I would like to see him getting more reps in terms of running pick and rolls, operating pick and rolls, because one of the other things that's a little bit disappointing with Pascal is that as a number one guy, he does draw a lot of attention. Yes, even when he struggles, he draws a lot of attention. You need to be able to leverage that into opportunities for your teammates. And he did average yeah. 3.5 assists, which is fine. But, you know, that's still fairly low. Um, it's, so Pascal was in the top 20 of scoring this year. 3.5 assists per game for the top 20 scorers. That's the fourth lowest, right? And the rest of those guys that are, you know, that, that are kind of low are all kind of young guys like Jason Tatum, only three assists per game and beat only three assists. John, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell. I almost called him Joni Mitchell. What? Uh, 4.3. <laughs> uh, 
great artist. Um, and Zach Levine, 4.2, you know, Brandon Ingram, 4.2. So it's not like outside of the range, but I do think that if Siakam gets more of a comfort and more of a uh, ability to run the pick and roll, then you can break down the defense and kick it out a little bit better. Because I think, you know, I mean, that's primarily where people get assists nowadays. All the top assist guys are all people that can run pick and roll. So, um, you know, look, listen, we're expecting a lot from Pascal. I think he has a lot to work with. And I honestly, look, the, the one thing that gives me comfort is Pascal is, you know, one of the hardest workers in the NBA. He's kind of legendary for his work ethic. And uh, yeah, I'm expecting him to be in the gym with Paul Watson, baby. Listen, Paul Watson, a fan favorite, got a few questions about Paul Watson. Someone asked for 10 minutes from Paul on Paul Watson. and uh, Wait, Paul so- Watson's a fan favorite? Man, yes. I, I, I've not been keeping up with Raptors Twitter, apparently. <laughs> yeah, you're too busy uh, focusing on uh, Teoscar Hernandez, okay? Um, but yeah, anyway. Paul so- Watson has a hive. All right, all right. Paul Watson has a hive, and it's somehow yeah. not just Blake Murphy. Um, yeah, speaking of Blake, though, I'm stealing his ideas. So Blake wrote this annual column about sort of uh, he polls media members um, and – uh, asks basically all the players and gives them a quick percentage as to uh, the likelihood that they return for the following season. So I'm stealing this from Blake. Full, uh, you know, listen, it, this is Blake's. Uh, now I participated in this poll and I have my numbers here, but I thought I would ask you. All right, uh, obviously 100% is 100% turning and 0% is zero, they're 100% gone. Um, we can rapid fire through these, but uh, Nick Nurse, uh, 100. Okay, good. Bobby Webster. Uh, 95. Okay. All right. Did, did Sacramento fill their position yet? Uh, yes, they did. Okay. Um, so, who, uh, 99 then. Or... Is Bobby Webster getting that type of buzz though, you think? For like, I mean, other roles? Listen, we have a segment coming up after this called Raptors Spurs North. So, we're going to save oh that. We're going to save it for later. Uh, <laughs> the off-season propaganda is crazy. Uh, I can't wait to do five months of this, man. Uh, Pascal Siakam. Uh, 100. Okay. Yeah, so I had 100 for all the first three of those guys listed. Uh, Paul Watson Jr. is somehow the, the fourth option on this list. I had him at 95. He's on a two-year, uh, two-way contract. Uh, what, what do you think, man? Yeah, let's go with 95. Wow, okay. Is that 95% likely to return to a 905 or 95% to play with the Raptors? Let's go 905. Is there going to be a G League next season? What's going on? I doubt it. You know, I don't think they want to spend that money for that. Which is uh, actually kind of a big deal. It kind of hurts the development of a lot of these guys, to be honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, I think the Raptors, if at all possible, just sign, a, take that money and just sign a collection. Maybe don't necessarily call them G League players. Call them like... Uh, uh, MLLC employees, but just have like a training squad of like 10 guys on, on standby <laughs> and, you know, t- say they're like they're concession stand people and instead they're actually just like almost NBA ready NBA players um, and just have them ready to work out against people. Um, OG Ananobi. Uh, 100? Yep. Matt Thomas? 100. No, key uh, key long-term core piece. You know, I hope I hope Matt Thomas uh, spends the entire offseason studying Duncan Robinson game tape. Mm. Uh, this this is the the propaganda that I was pushing for Matt Thomas. Basically, I was hoping he would be what Duncan Robinson is right now. So yeah. I'm expecting that second year leap. No, but to be honest though, I mean, pretty big accomplishment for for Matt Thomas in his first season, mm-hmm. like making it to the eight man rotation in the second round against Boston. Yep. Uh, shot a hundred percent in Game Seven. Check the box score if you think I'm lying. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I honestly want and like propaganda aside, I want to see him in a 
in a more kind of permanent role next season. I feel like he does bring enough on, on offense and he, his defense has come a long way. Mm-hmm. We always joke about his head twisting like the exorcist when he was trying to guard Kawhi, I think in that regular season game, but Lou Williams, uh, baby. I, I think he knows the defensive principles and how to play in like Nick's system to the point where he's not hurting them. He's still running around sometimes and he's always going to have those deficiencies just like athletically, but no, I want to see him in a more permanent role next season. Yeah, listen, Matt Thomas, uh, I need, in addition to everything Alex said, I do expect that from you. Uh, I need to see you on the old man and the three. Uh, (laughs) Listen, um, (laughs) it's just the number one podcast for white NBA players. 100%. It's not that they only get white NBA players, but if you are a white NBA player of any sort of substance, you need to be on that podcast. That is very exclusive. That's how you know you've made it. When you were JJ Redick and Tate Alter. Yeah, I didn't know any who the other guy is, but um, yeah, shout out to Old Man in the Sea. I, 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 you know, just a very long story about someone trying to catch a fish. Um, Dewan Hernandez. A uh, hundred? Okay, all right. Yeah, big fan. Uh, I said 95 for Dewan, but I mean, essentially a hundred. Terrence Davis? A hundred, I would say. Yeah. Okay, so we're keeping most of the young guys around. Masai. Masai's got to be, I mean, to, to be here next season, I would say 100. Okay. I mean, if you were to say beyond, which is, I guess, a more interesting question, mm. I would say like 80. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I had 90 for this, but I, I think I'm a little bit overly confident in the Masai thing. But I ultimately yeah, I, I think, think they'll keep him. I mean, MLSC, man, like they keep all the other guys. Like, oh, you know, like who, who are the Leafs guys? Brandon Shanahan? Yeah, is that a guy? Kyle okay. Dubas. Yo, what are we yeah, doing, man? Listen, stop stop using your podcast. Stop using your podcast to audition and use me for your audition, man. <laughs> this is enough. Um, no, I think I think Masai's. I don't think MLSE is not trying to bring him back. I think mm-hmm. this is just more Masai, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Masai is like he said, he's going to get everybody figured out first. Uh, Nick has been signed. Uh, I guess Bobby will be next. And he wants to make sure, you know, the way I'm reading it is he wants to make sure all those pieces are in place and that MLSE is paying to keep that structure that's going to help build Spurs North moving forward. And, you know, then he'll sign. Or I guess if you're a pessimist, you look at it as he wants to make sure the foundation is good for the Raptors uh, before he steps aside. Which if you're pessimistic, you could look at it that way too. He wants to make sure that Nick and Bobby are locked up long-term and he can leave uh, while, you know, making sure that the Raptors has a good situation moving forward. I mean, look, listen, if he's going to leave, then obviously that's that's his choice. Obviously, we love him here. We want him to stay forever. It'll be crushing, um, though. Let's not let's not undersell it. Like mm-hmm. Raptors without Masai is just not going to be the same. And, and it's not even about him like trading for Kawhi, you know, on his Blackberry Pearl. It's like everything that he, he represents for the city and the team and off the court. And I feel like that stuff is probably more important now than ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, please don't leave him aside. This is like talking about if your dad's going to be around next year. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about him, man. Maybe it is a conversation for other people. It's not for me. Uh, Pat McCaw. Pat McCaw. Listen, if Nick uh, Nurse got his extension, he's 115%, man. Yeah, let's go with 115. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kyle Lowry. Uh, 100. 100. Okay. I mean, they're, why, they're, why are you you believing the clutch points rumors of him being traded for like Drew Holiday? <laughs> uh, first off, clutch points—the number one Photoshop elite, 
elite, elite photoshops man oh man the, the photoshops are incredible the concept did you see the super saiyan one that they did of billy donovan no but is it because he has vegeta's hairline well they took jim boylan and billy donovan and they made billy donovan a super saiyan for what i I, I, I don't know listen i was first put on clutch points everybody should follow clutch points on, on twitter and especially instagram where they post their graphics i was first put on clutch points when they started photoshopping remember they photoshopped those coronavirus yes uh, absolutely yeah. and i was like what are you guys doing and then two weeks later i was like you guys are amazing yeah no it would be like report uh <laughs> no like christian like, okay, wood chance. tested positive yeah, and, and they've got like the coronavirus like, balls in the back they got like pathogens that's no, amazing man i don't know who spent time doing that but shout out clutch clutch points um but 100 for me what did you say for kyle i said 70 for kyle only because they're wow okay. i could potentially see a deal being made but i mean like i i also never want that you know what i mean i don't want that like i'm i'm with what masai said at this point you know like yeah we used to have you know sometimes you know masai obviously kyle had their differences sometimes publicly as well last year obviously with the marketing traded but you know i want kyle around for another 10 years man um no he's Kyle's gonna be the manu ginobili of spurs north where even after his game has fallen off He's going to have like two or three huge moments in the playoffs mm. where we get to celebrate him again. I guess a better question. Okay, here's my question for you. Do you think if they end up, um, you know, breaking ties with Kyle, will it be because of Kyle or will it be because the Raptors want to move on from him? It would probably be a bit of both. I think it will be one of those situations where if a trade happens, you would need Kyle's approval on it, which yeah. obviously only the best players get that opportunity to say no. Like, they're not going to blindside him and, like, dump him to Minnesota. Well, I mean, you know, I would say no. The DeMar <laughs> trade did happen, uh, <laughs> you know, but, I mean, my thing, is like, my thing is, like, Kyle's still playing at such a high level. Mm. Don't you think maybe he personally uh, might want to go chase a ring somewhere? I guess this depends on if the Raptors kind of reload next summer in free agency, and yep. this is the best situation for him, though, right? No, that's exactly it. But I'm, I only put 70 here. I was the lowest tier uh, among the other people that voted on this poll. Other uh, people went as high as 90% but uh, or 95%. But, you know, I, I could just, I'm just saying, man. I mean, listen. Yo, you, you know, brought on the wrong guy, man. I say 100% for everything. Yeah, that, no, that's facts. You said, you, I said, <laughs> I do Ka- have that is reputation. Kawhi coming back? And you said 99 <laughs> Do you so. have that reputation? Yeah, ask me if the Raptors might pursue a trade for Kawhi at 55 right now. Yeah, all right, all right, let's go. Let's, let's, Dan Toma, man, listen, let's, let's put us back at the diner right now. You could bring those old bobbleheads with you. Um, Stanley Johnson. Stanley Johnson, doesn't he, he have a player option that he can exercise? He absolutely will exercise that So let's make that option. 115%. Yeah, yeah, you'll be here. You'll be. I, said I don't seven, know. I Maybe said he doesn't want to be around Nick Nurse anymore. Um, I mean, does he want to be around the NBA anymore? Because if he yeah, does, then uh, he's going to be back Listen, here. I'm hanging on to that game he had against the Sixers. Oh, that's my too, lasting man. memory of Stanley Johnson. Listen, the the you know, obviously after the game ends, there is such a rush to do post-game coverage. You know, I do 10 things. I do the podcast. That usually takes me about an hour, an hour and a half. That was the happiest you sounded that night. <laughs> First off, I was thrilled. I was thrilled. That KFC ad read was elite. Uh, but... No, the the first thing I rushed to do was open up Photoshop so I can Photoshop Stanley Johnson onto Kawhi's head in the Game 7 game winner uh, yeah. over Philly. This guy makes knockoff clutch points graphics. 100%, man. Fred Abli retweeted that, all right? So, listen, I'm sure, the, I'm sure the people enjoyed that Stanley Johnson game. It was fantastic. Uh, I put him for 70, honestly, because obviously he could be included in a trade. 
but yeah, I mean, he's under contract somehow. Great agent, man. Listen, uh, O'Shea Brissett. O'Shea Brissett, what's his contract situation? Uh, he is, I believe, a free agent, but uh, I think they can. I mean, I think they can sign him pretty easily. I'll put him at like seventy. I feel like a lot of these guys is just I don't know. Okay. Just depends of Raptors want to keep him. What do you think of his vlogs? No, O'Shea. Uh, O'Shea uh, created great content. Mm. Um, and Gave us a uh, Matt Thomas speaking patois. Yeah, no, that was a legendary moment. So uh, just for that, they should bring him back because I'm way better than Matt when... Thomas. Finally, Matt Thomas finally found a friend. Remember, I started spreading the yeah, theory on running back that Matt Thomas had no friends at the start of the season. I mean, he kind of had no friends, but then you know he he went to the Nutcracker with Kyle Lowry. He was all good after that. Yeah, um, yeah. I was gonna say that was the best. Uh, White person speaking patois on camera since uh, Doug or Rob Ford and uh, and Rexto since Brad Pitt in that movie scene that you keep posting. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that's that's actually what a that's since actual Matt Chet Thomas Hanks. Says. Shout out Chet Hanks. Yeah, see, there's a regrettable you know history of it. I think Matt just did it respectfully. Shout out Adele. Oh yeah, you know <laughs> a what? lot of appropriation I, going I, on, man. I don't, I don't know what's going on with Adele. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be hypocritical though, since you are apparently a, f- a pretend Filipino these days. When when the Miami Heat play, okay, okay all right, listen. You didn't even name Pablo Torre. No, listen. <laughs> I want to give you the very exclusive ones. Okay, no one even knows about Nate Robinson. Okay, <laughs> nobody knows. One eighth, one eighth. All right. Um, well, Fred VanVleet. Fred, yeah, this is a tough one. I'm gonna say sixty. Sixty. Okay. All right. I put 90, but I'm just unreasonably confident that the Raptors retain Fred. Um, the more I think about it, I think, obviously, I don't want to say overpaid, but he's going to get paid a lot. Hmm. Um, and I don't know. Do you think the Raptors reach a point where they're like, we don't want to match this? Or do you think they're like, all right, like we'll just bring him back? No, I, I think I, I, I think there is definitely a walkaway number, but I don't think Fred is going to get above that, uh, even in this climate. Uh, Norman Powell. Norman Powell, I would put at 75. I feel like if the Raptors do make a trade during the offseason, he is probably the most appealing trade chip. Mm, I agree. I agree. This is why I have him at 70. Everyone that could potentially be involved in the trade, I put in 70. Serge Ibaka. Oh, man. I hate to say this. I'm going to say 50. Actually, I'm going to say 40. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Do people have it higher? Uh... He's at 48.75% on average. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean. I think he's most likely to go out of the free agents. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, Chris Boucher. Chris Boucher. is he, He's a free agent as well? He is a free agent. The Raptors have his full bird rights. I'm going to say 60. Okay. I'm going to refrain from giving my comment on this. <laughs> He's not uh, listening this deep. Come on. Yeah, listen, man. You never know, man. He, he loves he loves running back. So this is he might click on this just because. I can't like believe got back. mad at you when it was probably me. It was a hundred percent you, bro. It was all. No, your we stupid, don't need to get into it. It's all your stupid We're little good. jokes. Sorry. Right. We're uh, good, man. <laughs> Marcus all. Marcus all. I'm gonna say ten. <laughs> what? Is that, is that the total number of threes he hits next year? Like, what, what, what yeah, are you it's the about? total number of points he had against the Celtics. Um, I, it might be less than 10. Um, well, you saw the reports, right? He, he prob- He's considering playing in Europe. Yeah. Um, 
I'm off the mind that listen, man. I know what Mark brings to the table. Mm-hmm, uh, still, like, like defensively, like I'm not saying he's washed up or anything like that. Definitely not. I think Mark is such a key part to this team, but mm. um, I just feel like it might be a point for him to to move on, whether it's to another team or because uh, he has more urgency if he wants to like win a championship next year or like go somewhere else. Like I don't know, he might end up in like Golden State or something. Just don't go to the Clippers. Yeah, don't go to the Clippers. But also, I'm expecting Marcus All to be on the old man in the sea. Given his love of uh, sailing, um, spending yeah. the whole offseason making memes. Yeah, uh, okay, as opposed to you. I mean, okay, look, Rondé Hall is Jefferson. Rondé's a free agent, right? One year deal. Yes. Um, gonna say 30. Yeah, I, I put him down for zero just because I feel like if you're Rondé, so you came here with the expectation to play. You get cut from the rotation he multiple played. times. Well, yeah, I mean, he the, played. In, in the playoffs, he did. He never played. He barely played more than Stanley Johnson. Yeah, did. but were you surprised? And he got slandered by Nick Nurse like right off the bat. And then Norm Powell touched his head. Like, what kind of year was that for Rondé? If I'm Rondé, I'm not going back to the Raps, man. Rondé, Rondé wasn't like in a Stanley Johnson like level doghouse. No, he wasn't, which is, you know, he did play in the course of the regular season, but in the playoffs, he was completely ditched. I really wasn't surprised that he didn't play in the playoffs, though. Yeah, me neither, but, you know. Uh, yeah, okay. 30, I think that's probably more fair. But We'll yeah. always have the 30-point comeback in the Tiger Woods fist pump, though. So always. he's part of Raptors lore. He's Raptors legend, for sure. And then Malcolm Miller, your boy. Oh, my guy. Uh, they need to bring <laughs> this man back, man. I'm going to say 85. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um. I had him for zero, but <laughs> <laughs> shout outs Malcolm Miller holding a uh, local media accountable. Just continue to do uh, NBA players continue to do other people's jobs. Mm-hmm. Definitely. No, Malcolm Miller is fantastic. Like, I'm, you know, I, he, uh, he wrote a blog for Raptors.com. That was also quite good. If you haven't read that to go check it out, but uh, yeah, always had the 30 point comeback. Again, Malcolm, those, those tipped steals and then the mysteries, the Fantastic. two missed threes. Listen, those would have been great if he hit those. Um, but yeah, that's that's the percentage chance. And then last thing before we go to break and uh, answer some uh, uh, Twitter questions. Uh, are the Raptors becoming Spurs North? Because let me just give you the, uh, the, the people that have been linked to other jobs. Obviously, Masai um, is very wanted man. Uh, Washington came after him. New York reportedly were after him. Okay, he's still here for now. Uh, Nick Nurse. Um, you know, obviously he's drawn interest from other teams, you know, when he was an assistant. Now, obviously he's been extended, so that's good. But Nick Nurse just said on radio um, this week that lead assistant Nate Bjorkren interviewed for the Pacers head uh, coaching job opening. Um, what do you think of their white Nate for black Nate? What happens? They can't do that, right? <laughs> they can't do that. I didn't know Nate was in uh, consideration for a head coaching job. So that's I mean, a big glow up. That's a big glow up. And honestly, he is really, really good at his job. Like he's, you know, he's a guy that. But, but like you said, though, like you said, though, if you're doing the Spurs comparison, comparison, it's like mm-hmm. Pop had his own coaching tree, mm-hmm. um, you know, with guys like Brett Brown. Uh, shout outs, Mike Budenholzer. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but like, you know, same thing here, right? When you win, guys are going to want to poach from a winning program. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Adrian Griffin was up for the Bulls job. Uh, I think the Bulls went the other way, going for uh, Mr. Vegeta himself. Um, and then Bobby Webster linked to the Bulls. Uh, and of course, they went a different direction. And he was apparently on the shortlist for the Sacramento Kings job. 
which also went a different direction. But um, yeah, Raptors or Spurs North. Are you with me on this or not? No, I'm totally with you. Let's push this. Uh, you know, one thing about the Spurs too, they won five titles uh, in mm. 15 years and, and never repeated as champions. Mm-hmm. So the Raptors have that to hang on to as well. You know, it's really hard um, to repeat, uh, but it's e- even harder to stay competitive like over a long period of time uh what does what the raptors need to be spurs north is their own tim duncan um you know an understated uh superstar who wins uh mvps but doesn't want to be referred to as an mvp Hmm. um, until he wins a championship um so you know Giannis, come fill come fulfill your destiny bro 100 percent. that's the one thing the spurs never really had was that great free agent addition to supplement um but i mean honestly a lot of the same situations right like uh sort of a non-destination free agent market we can we can be honest Dwayne casey's stealing pound the rock from the spurs yeah you know (laughs) my favorite thing is still you telling me that story about the fact that Dwayne casey had sent a crew of people to go up to the canadian shield and find the perfect rock to bring back to the locker room like that's that's an unbelievable story like imagine you got you came into work one day and Dwayne casey hands you like bug spray and he tells you to drive up to you know uh sudbury you know he's just I, telling I, like mr he's telling mr sticks and black dragon roll to just go find a rock yeah listen I, you know i i would you know i might have to call hr to see like if that's really within my responsibilities but no i like the spurs comparison people like to compare them to the warriors too because i think the warriors are kind of trying to build that as well right mm-hmm. well i mean even with the warriors like how many people tried to take people from the warriors like Aside from Alvin Gentry, like I'm not yeah, I'm that's missing true. people. Like I don't, I don't no, know if the front true. office moved around. So, that's true. Yeah, I think the, I think the key to this Spurs North thing, and I mean, I know I'm stating the obvious, but like it's got to be Masai, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, this whole concept falls apart if if Masai decides to go do something else. He's like the pop in in this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's just, it's such a difference because like for a long time, I just wanted the Raptors to like emulate the Spurs. Everybody wanted to emulate the Spurs. And now it's like, they are actually that. That's oh, I, w- I want the Raptors to be like the most boring team. Just win 50 games every year. You know, that's, I'll take that, man. Because mm. I mean, you know, we, we care we about need, the Spurs. So we need like a, you know, the Spurs have those great HEB um, commercials, which is like oh, yeah. their local version of. Like, we have food, Osmos. Food that's the, we have Osmos. <laughs> we have Osmos and GoDaddy. <laughs> Yeah, we need to get a little bit better in that department. By the way, recently I found out there is like another like five Raptors Osmos commercials. I thought there was just that one what? where with Norm. Yeah, with so there's that one with Norm and Fred, where first off, getting Norm and Fred a, a, like an absolute uh, incredible deal. I don't know who was negotiating that, but just good job. Um, but yeah, there's that one where they're like, "What's chicken on the rocks?" and then everyone's like, "Who are these guys?" Oh, I've seen that one too. Yeah, so that one, right? But no, there's more. There's one where Norman Powell is walking around the city and he says, um, everyone keeps asking me, uh, what's changed since the championship? And he says, changed? I'm still the same old Norm. And then he like... No, I've seen these. You know yeah. why you don't see these? We don't need to get into it because you, you you don't have a cable TV package. Oh, really? Oh, word. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't, man. They don't show this during League Pass. Yo, Dan, Dan Tolman, come on, man. Pay yeah, for my, this man's cable. No, listen, my, my, my Express uh, VPN is uh, from, uh, from Washington. I only from, knew when you were like, hey, Hong did they Kong. show... The, when you messaged me, you're like, hey, did they show the Anthem pregame? I'm like, yes, they definitely did. 
I don't know. It wasn't showing, right? Listen, I don't know what it was. It was, it was, it was. This guy's in gamer chat rooms while Pascal's going for twenty. It's like it's, it's important to protect your internet privacy. What can I say? Um, yeah. Well, okay. That's most of the topics. I mean, I want to talk about the conference finals too, but I also asked for a lot of Raptors questions. Um, well, I asked for some Raptors questions. People send in a lot, so I don't want to disappoint people. Let's uh, let's knock out some Raptors questions. So, first one from. Um, your boy, and I guess my boy too, John. Not saying Yo, I, don't like, John? I don't like John, but you know he's more your boy than my boy. Yeah, uh, I think he's trying to invest in baseball cards now because baseball cards are like soaring in prices. Real okay, wow. So property wasn't enough. Huh? Okay, um, how how much is too much with the Raptors re-signing Fred? Anything over twenty mil a year? Yeah, I don't know, man. That's the tough one. I mean, we talked about it earlier. I think the Raptors just have to decide whether they actually do have a number that they're not happy with. Because if they're like Fred is such an integral part of the team. Even if he gets 25 plus, we're going to match. Like they can do that, right? And still have cap room next year. And if they need to maneuver around, I mean, they can move players mm-hmm. to open up space. So, um, I mean, me personally, yeah, I would be pretty, I'm a big proponent of, of bringing Fred back. But I don't know if the Raptors feel the same at a certain price. Yeah, I think uh, maybe something above like 23. I think maybe the Raptors 23, 24. But I, I honestly, when you get to within one or two million, like you can try to play around with the money a little bit. At least that's my thinking. But yeah, I think honestly, like 20 mil will be fine. They need to probably move Norm. But uh, are we going to get shame like the Bucks not re signing Malcolm Brogdon if they don't bring him back? Um, I just don't think you should develop talent and just let him walk unless it's like an unreasonable yeah, contract, you know? And I don't think Fred's not unreasonable at 20. So keep Fred. Um, next one from Padsy. All right. Uh, what what is our biggest need in terms of position, and how would you like to see it addressed? Man, I guess it. I mean, I, I do want them to get like an elite, like shooting guard type, but I don't know how are they going to get that person. Um, other than that, I guess it's a center position too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the center position. I would love to get some offense from there. I know, obviously, Serge gives you some offense. So if it's Serge, then I, I, you know, that's I'm fine with that. But. uh yeah, it just it feels like the Raptors. I mean, the center position should have been more of a strength of you know for the Raptors in terms of scoring. But you know, if you're gonna have sort of a more balanced offense with Pascal sort of not necessarily being an elite elite number one option, then you kind of need offense from the rest of your positions. And obviously, center with Mark was not a position where they got offense from this year. So, and Serge. I mean, I know people know this, but Serge is still a starting caliber center, man. 100%. Don't forget what he did in the regular season. All right. You getting a cut from the agency? What's going on, man? <laughs> I already told Jordy to let me know first so I can uh, scoop Woj. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. No, listen. I, I hope Serge stays, man. Listen. Serge no, me too. Me, me too, stay. man. But I, I honestly... Sure the Raptors I, also re-sign Rolson, okay? But, look, I, I, think he's priced him, I think he's priced himself out, though, possibly, because he's still so good. Yeah. Fair enough. Um... Okay, what about this one? Um, why does everyone assume because Andrew Wiggins is Canadian that the Raptors are dying for him and would trade uh, to, uh, Pascal to Golden State? Uh, what? Yeah, this is people has... trying to pawn off like this is people trying to pawn off like a pair of sneakers that they don't want. Yeah, and, uh, and like, <laughs> which is what I try to do always. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't get it, man. Like, why would the Raptors want Andrew Wiggins at all? I mean, no, like seriously, <laughs> like give me one reason. I mean, is he, he even a top three Canadian? Listen, if he was even uh, making... I'd rather have Lou Dort. Oh, okay, all right. Relax, okay. 
<laughs> just because Lou Dort is, is, has the Yo, same. Lou Dort point. is legitimately just a decimal point for, on the salary cap if you get him. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. That, well, I mean, that's why he's going to be with the Rockets. Um, <laughs> they're going to trade uh, James Harden for him. They're going to trade two Bubba Gump locations. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, even if Wiggins made like, $10 million less per year, I'd be much, much more interested because I'm like, you know what? You take a chance. He definitely has like mm-hmm. skills, you know, maybe it's sort of finding the right situation for him. But I mean, yeah, no, I mean, at a, on a max contract. No, man. No, I, I don't like, want to, you want to do Rudy gay again. Is this what we want? Um, the, the other thing for me is like, yeah. you, you have, when you talk about wanting to bring players in, you got to start thinking about like the type of players that the Raptors target. Mm-hmm. Nick nurse has a particular type of player right like you have to play hard on defense you have to have high basketball iq and this is not taking a shot at someone specifically like a stanley johnson or something but if you come up short in those areas then you don't play and i think it's important for nick and the raptors to continue to hold that standard in terms of the players that they bring in because it's so important just like for the connectivity and like the culture of the team so I don't like when I hear people throw names out there like, oh, the Raptors might be interested in Montrez Harrell. I'm like, yo, Nick would bench Montrez Harrell like in a series <laughs> like you need well, to bring guys in. That's going to work. Listen, I mean, when people were saying uh, Montrez Harrell should should be benched for Ivica Zubac, I was like, all right. <laughs> I'm out, man. If you're, you're Never forget for Magic Johnson traded Zubach for two months of Mike Muscala and then quit to go tweet. Yeah, but listen, the Clipper media was thrilled. They they called that the uh, the <laughs> the modern day version of the James Harden trade, man. Um, yeah, but the second half of this question uh, with the with the Wiggins thing is, what trade rumor has uh, has you most annoyed so far? Anything involving Kyle? You know, I haven't I haven't seen one single proposed trade, and I know half of them are just like maybe by like fans or something. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen one proposed trade. I've seen them being sent to like um, I've seen them being sent to Milwaukee. I think I, um, that was the one I was going to pick because the trade was going to be Raptors. We get, get Bledsoe. Raptors get Bledsoe. Uh, Kem Birch uh, and Canadian? like a first round pick. Yeah, a Canadian all, throw in. No, honestly, they're always just like, uh, here, have any Canadian. Uh, <laughs> like, come on, man. Why is like uh, Kelly no. Olenek? <laughs> if, if the Raptors are to trade Kyle, they're going to get somebody good. Yes, Because it's going to be to a contender. Like, you know, you look at maybe a Miami next season or something like that. Mm. Uh, it's going to be to a team that wants to win right now uh, yeah. or a Philly. Like, you're going to get something good for him. Yeah, and don't don't be like, oh yeah, Philly gives you uh, Josh Richardson and uh, Matisse Thybul and uh, somehow uh, Al Horford's <laughs> contract is in there. Yeah, they're like Al Horford, but don't worry, we're giving you a yeah, first round pick. You can like, get yeah. off. You can get off Pascal's max contract if you take Al Horford. That's what they were saying with the Andrew Wiggins Yo, deal. On, they're like, you got the number two pick. Masai yeah, I was want out the there number marching. two pick, even though James. I've seen clips of James Wiseman speaking Mandarin. What uh, people should look that up. Yeah, there's there's a couple of clips of him. Wow. The kids these days always learn to speak Mandarin. Damn. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, listen, stop trying to trade Kyle, man. Like, just, I, I mean, it, honestly, if you do, though, like, come correct with, an, like, an actual offer. I, I don't want to see these. Like, I don't want to see Eric Bledsoe, man. Yo, Kyle, like, if you're making real trades for Chris Paul, you better keep the same energy for Kyle, man. Like, why well, do people think Kyle is just some kind of throw-in? Well, I mean, they do say things like for, for Chris Paul, it would be like uh, Wayne Ellington and uh, <laughs> Ke- Kevin Knox and uh, Julius Randle. 
the, the only trade um trade machine stuff i want to see is the norm stuff i feel like i feel like norm trades are probably more realistic yeah um okay well this next question uh off-season target uh, uh trade target ideas or free agent ideas people keep mentioning harry giles i I mentioned Harry Giles. Um, I, I didn't know people really loved Harry Giles as much. Uh, give me, give me two KFC. Uh, give me a two uh, Harry Giles references. Sorry, I'm, re- I'm reading something else. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. What, what, what's what's the appeal with Harry Giles? I mean, he was a really talented prospect in like high school, but we are yeah, he had an injury. And got dropped high school. Late, right? He had yeah. multiple serious injuries. Didn't really play the first couple of years, but. Uh, Man, he's, he's decent. I, I like him. I definitely like him as a player, but I don't think he's really shown that much that you automatically thrust him into a team. But decent yeah, passer. I, I don't know, man. Number one, the free agency pool obviously is really thin mm-hmm. this year. And number two, I feel like I've channeled my entire focus to next summer. Okay, um, fair enough. I, I, honestly, I, I, I don't have a target out there. Um, I just feel like next year for the Raptors is just a transition year. Bring back the guys that you can mm-hmm. and get the internal uh, improvement. Cause you know, any free agent that's looking at this team is going to be looking at Pascal OG and assuming Fred comes back. Those are the three guys that you're going to be playing with long-term, right? Yep. Um, but I mean, listen, if Harry Giles is cheap, like it's the thing, I don't think it's going to be a big free agent year. Like I just realistically, that's not going to happen. Um, is Harry Giles the new uh, Kenneth Fareed? What's going on, man? People oh, yeah, Rap- Raptor fans love <laughs> yo. Listen, Kenneth Fareed, Ursan Ilyasova. There's some like real like thirsty for this guy, you know, kind of things. But I mean, look, Harry's he's skilled, man. I like his passing ability. Obviously, he's a talented player. A little bit skinny. Um, yeah, get get him in the Raptors development system. Man. Yeah, that that's probably what's gonna happen when he's 24 years old. We're gonna scoop him up like uh, Henry Ellenson or Paul Watson. Or Stanley Johnson. Or Stanley. Or Stanley. I mean, listen, people don't talk about Stanley Johnson's high school career. Why should we talk about Harry Johnson's <laughs> high school career like that, you know? Like, listen, when you, whenever you bring up, like, one of the arguments is he was good in high school, then you just have to go, you have to switch to a different Yo, player. Everyone in the NBA was good in high school. <laughs> no, it's a fact, man. Um, except for Pascal, apparently. Pascal was good at soccer in high school. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? Man, there's all okay. What about Nerlens Noel? You like Nerlens Noel? That's another question here. I don't know if he he would fit into the Raptors culture. Oh yeah, remember because, this man went and ate sandwiches at halftime when he was playing for the Mavericks, and like Rick Carlisle had to bench him. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I, I feel like the Mavericks. Have he's some had very a he's had a lot stories. of issues in terms of questions about his work ethic mm. and like focus on the game. That's probably yeah, why so, he's yeah. very available, despite the fact that he is a pretty sound. Uh, I think, he's a pretty good defensive player. I think that's one of the reasons why like, I don't really have any free agency t- targets like that. Because mm. I feel like the Raptors have a pretty established core. And I feel like I'm way more picky now in terms of who the Raptors bring in. Maybe mm. I would have been more thirsty like five years ago. Like, yo, let's just bring guys in. You know, this guy's maybe a reclamation project. But now I'm like being really picky because I feel like you need to continue only bringing in the guys that really fit the Raptors organization. Yep. I agree. Absolutely agree. And, um, you know, uh, with, uh, I mean, look, just go back and read some of the Nerlens Dewell, like the, the when he stayed in Airbnb story. And like oh that. yeah. His place got trashed and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was bad. It was bad. 
it, it seems really annoying. I mean, look, I, it's not the biggest make or miss. Like if if uh, if Kawhi like you know ruined the Airbnb, we'd probably be like, that's cool. We can, we'll do anything. <laughs> no, 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 for you can't day, say but... that. But the thing is, Kawhi did it. <laughs> well, yeah, he didn't. That's right. That's right. Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, basically, what there was the reports that were saying that Nons the Wall was uh, Keyshawn in, in Quebec City. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> We love you, Keisha. We love you, man. Oh man. Um, all right, let's take let's take one more question. Um, what about this one? Okay, so do you see a path for Matt Thomas to climb higher on the depth chart uh, and maybe surpass Terrence Davis next season? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, he kind of did that in the playoffs. Still, he did, and and you know, I think Terrence obviously had a really impressive uh, rookie season, especially for a player that was undrafted. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just fouling everyone in the bubble for some reason. Yeah. Like when he was like, I don't know what was going on, but like the, obviously like the defensive, like discipline and things like that need to need to improve. Mm. Um, if you're talking about offensive game, I mean, I feel like there's still a lot more untapped potential to like Matt Thomas's. Like, I really want them to start running actual plays for him. Like he's that good of a shooter, right? Let's find out at a higher volume. If you actually do have something there. I mean, the Raptors need to be better on offense. Mm-hmm. yeah start well, matt thomas man let's go okay all right well i mean listen what when you are matt thomas's agent i expect you to give me scoops about his future i'm just uh, saying if fred leaves in free agency uh why not start matt thomas and keep knowing the six man <laughs> <laughs> yeah yo you laugh man i'm gonna be pushing this um i mean you know I, I think nick likes matt i mean nick gets some pretty great quotes about matt it just i would like if he played him more but I mean, realistically, you have some pretty good guards right now, right? So, it is I just don't get why you bring a guy like that into a game and don't like actually try, like, make a more concerted effort to utilize him on offense. Yeah, fair enough. I agree. I agree. You know, you get, get, run every play for Matt Thomas. <laughs> when Matt Thomas checks into the game, yo, propaganda has blended into reality, man. I've been doing this for too long. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Look, listen. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to make that comparison. I don't want to be Dermot. Right? I know what you're going to say. Yeah, you know, it's okay. I'll, t- I'll tell you in the chat. Um, and last question. Actually, you know, um, I'm going to give you four quick rapid fire questions to end the podcast because I already wrote these down and I feel bad not saying, not asking these. So first off, number one, uh, yes or no, are the Celtics the team to beat in the East moving forward? No, I, th- I think the East is pretty wide open next season. I think Boston okay. will be there. I think Toronto will be there. Mm. Um, but Toronto obviously has to bet on a bit of their in- internal improvement. Uh, Milwaukee, for all that we slander them, I mean, they're going to be there, you know, mm. as long as Giannis is there. Philadelphia with a new coach, um, you figure maybe they, they kind of get it together. Um, Brooklyn is going to be there with Kyrie and KD. Yeah. So that's already like, what, five teams? You know, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a consensus favorite. If anything, Milwaukee kind of got bumped. I didn't even mention Miami. Miami's going to be there. Mm. So I feel like it's going to be five, six teams. And I, I feel like, Maybe one of those teams will separate themselves, but I don't see Boston as like a clear favorite. Um, okay, I agree. But I mean, look, the Celtics are scary, man. They, their, their talent is very young. They're taking actual steps in their development now. Uh, well, does, I can see the American media uh, anointing them because, you know, you That's have to. That's half the American media comes from Boston, man. <laughs> like when you, when you understand that, you understand why. Um, uh, question number two: uh, Explain to me why the Cel- why the Heat are the 2017 Warriors. They are 10 and two in the playoffs so far. Oh wow! Um, it's all about the Heat culture, you know, the culture <laughs> okay. that is. You know, it's because Jay Crowder has been shooting 40 percent on threes on like uh-huh. 10 attempts a game. 
Um, no, I don't know, man. They've, they, they, they've built a really good team there. Um, I think, I mean, also, I think they're the 2017 works. It's Goran Dragic uh, decided to average 20 points a game again. Um, also, shout out to Myers Leonard, who like started all season and is suddenly just not playing in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, but he's uh, apparently a really, really great cheerleader on the bench. Right, and Tyler Hero, me. I mean, Tyler Hero has been, I mean, for a rookie to be doing this at this level mm-hmm. is just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I, I thought you were going to say that um, the, the reason why um, the Heat are elite is because Eric Spolstra is feeding everybody. Uh, <laughs> because he's Filipino. He's, he's feeding everybody uh, lumpia or chicken adobo. <laughs> No, listen. Uh, we we stand. We, this is an Eric. This is an Eric Spolstra podcast now. All right. We we. It's not just Matt Thomas. We also stand Eric Spolstra. All right. Next one. Um, Jamal Murray is the best Canadian player since Steve Nash. Yes or no? Yeah, I can't think of anyone after Steve Nash. Um, uh, yeah, it's wild it, to it drops off the, quick. I came Bird into the season. Yeah, shout out to Todd McCullough. Um, it's uh yeah I came into the season thinking Shea Gilgis Alexander was gonna come out mm-hmm. being like the best Canadian after the season but I guess that conversation's done. Yeah, um, Jamal's so, taking a huge leap. No, J- Jamal's made this leap, which is insane. And like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we're gonna talk about it, but like, we gotta start looking at Jokic and Jamal Murray as one of the best kind of you know tandems in the league. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and then last one. Um, between Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James, is the post-up back in play and back in fashion? Because it feels like, I don't know, man. We've seen a lot more post-play in these uh, playoffs than I feel like in the last five playoffs. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like those are special cases though, right? Like how many other centers are you going to tell me? Embiid? Yeah. I mean, he does post-up <laughs> a lot. He just, he just doesn't get that far in the playoffs. I think Jokic is just like a like just he's just a different player man yeah like this guy is ridiculous like this i don't guy, know how he makes any of his shots man this guy exclusively hits like the shots that like you play against your dad and your dad is, has no athleticism and he's just like yeah i'm gonna shoot this like 25 feet into the air over you you can't really you can play defense but it doesn't matter it takes him like seven seconds to get into a fadeaway yeah and it's, it's he unbelievable. Makes and those hook shots that he makes he should get called for a flagrant every time they're so disrespectful <laughs> no th- Honestly, yeah, it's the scoring has been incredible from him. Honestly, the Nuggets are really fun. I'm happy they won that game last night because uh, they were about to choke it real hard. No, shout out to shout out to Mike Malone. No, I I think the one thing I love about Jokic and maybe this is just European players in general mm-hmm. is how dumb they think the North American media is. Because like I feel like Jokic just does not care for these storylines. Like they asked him in the second round when Patrick Beverly was like talking some trash, and he was mm-hmm. like, "All right, whatever." Mm-hmm. Um, and like Dwight Howard's been trying to get under his skin. Yeah, that's that's been hilarious. <laughs> Dwight Howard being I, I, a seven foot and Patrick and, Beverly, and you know Jokic doesn't care. And I think Luka Doncic too. Like, um, you know, when he was called a, a bitch ass white boy by Montrezl Harrell in the first round, like he was probably like, "Why is everybody making such a big deal out of this?" Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to hoop. So in general, you know, I think Marcus Sol's a little bit like this too because sometimes he'll get asked questions yep. and he'll just like absolutely just not answer because he just thinks it's like pointless. So I love in general just like European players looking at North American media and be like, stop, stop these narratives, please. I got to say, though, watching uh, soccer Twitter and stuff like that, uh, you know, I feel like media elsewhere is also kind of the same. But, yeah, I definitely see the, the lack of patience. Um, and it's kind of refreshing, to be honest, you know. 
But uh, yeah, okay, that does it for the podcast. Alex, you know, fantastic performance, showing once again why you are the number one choice uh, of guests. <laughs> Is this what Nick Nurse says to Pascal <laughs> after games? Listen, Pascal, I know you shot 8 of 55, but uh, we love you, man. We appreciate you. Uh, anything you want to plug, anything before we uh, sign off here? Nah, just, uh, you know, I, like I mentioned, I've got my book coming out uh, next year. You know, details still to be determined. Don't worry, I'll fire up the marketing machine, you know, bring back Stephen LeBron Radio, uh, oh, you know, okay. do a whole promoting campaign. Shout out to Will Chan. Um, no, nah, man, just keep checking out. Honestly, I, I just want to say, like, there's a lot of talented people, um, you know, in Raptors uh, media right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe some some that people aren't checking out as much, you know. People should read uh, Yasmin's work. I know she's been doing a lot of stuff at Yahoo mm-hmm. um, and other places. You know, always enjoy um, Vivek's work. And there's just a lot of t- talented people out there. And I know everybody checks out Will's podcast and like our content. But I think there's, uh, you know, ex- expand your horizons a little bit and check out other people's work. Absolutely. We are completely spoiled. So, um, Alex, thanks for coming on. Uh, everyone, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week with more Raptors content. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.